an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Hey, y'all, I'm Bevan. And I'm Brittany. Welcome to Be My Neighbor. Our neighborly duties are to provide real-life solutions and practices that elevate and inspire, but also remind us to not take it all too seriously. We're real-life neighbors that quickly learn that you simply cannot do it on your own, living in a competitive and fast-paced environment like New York City. Each week, we invite you into the apartment along with our metaphorical and literal neighbors to share advice on how we get through this thing called life. We don't just share the sugar. We serve up the real tea. From navigating relationships to building a career, we want you to recognize and embrace the best version of you. We want you to know that you're crazy is okay. And that you're definitely not alone. Our door is always open. And we want you to know, we've We've got got your your back. back. All right. B, I don't really even know how to start this one off. I know. We've been talking about recording this for a very long time. Yeah. It's been going on during this whole pandemic, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You've known about everything and you know my close circle of friends and family have known about everything, but we were going to do this a few weeks ago and I said to you, I just don't feel like it's the right time. You didn't feel I don't ready. Feel, no, I did not feel ready at all. So let's go back. Let's go yes. back to January when you came home from your honeymoon and you walked through the door and I looked at you and I said, you're pregnant. I was like, how is this girl? How do you know this? And I didn't even really know that I was. I had taken a test in, I think it was Langawi or something. I had bought one of those tests from a crazy <laughs> airport drugstore. Yep. And it was like a faint line, but I was like, this can't be, I don't know. This has got to be fake. I just couldn't believe it. And you immediately saw me and I knew. instantly knew. I just yeah. knew. I, I don't know what it was. Something something in my gut told me you were pregnant. And then I made you go get another test. And of course, you couldn't have a normal pregnancy test. You had to have these weird JoJo tests that like it's the faintest, weirdest line. There's tests that say pregnant, not pregnant. No, no. <laughs> these are like the real doctor's tests. These are the HCG level tests. So these were the ones that I was advised to get at one point. I got them off of Amazon. I think it was like 15 bucks for a hundred. It was crazy. But you like to see things in black and white. So you like actual computer faces that come up and say yes or no, smiley face, whatever it is. Yeah. I did the doctor test that I was recommended to do. And so you were like, this test sucks. This is not real. I'm like, this is the real, this is the thing. So I made you go grab one. You went into my bathroom. And I made us both do it at the same time. Oh yeah, you made me do one too to make sure. (laughs) I was like, I don't, because I just still didn't believe it. I think I was just so in shock, to be honest. And it's looking back at all of this timing, we had not been, I guess, trying for a long time which very grateful for. I know so many couples out there that that's the hardest part is to get pregnant. So I think that was the initial shock was, wow, we are. And we had been talking about it. We had been wanting to, but it was just really crazy to see that. And I guess, you know, for me and you with all of our past, you know, (laughs) what's happened before, I guess I've been lucky enough to not have this happen to me before when it was someone someone I didn't want it to happen with. Right. And yeah, Ryan and I, Ryan and I were ready. So it was really different to see it, but I still didn't believe it, even though you were like, Brittany, yes, you are. So this yeah. is here's proof right here. 
I took about 35, I think. I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you were like, you did another one again? I'm like, yes, I still don't believe it. (laughs) And every time that second line started getting darker and darker and darker. Mm -hmm. We just thought we were going to be making a very different announcement right now than we are actually making. So you go to the doctor, the doctor confirms you're pregnant. You hear a little heartbeat. Walk me through that. Yeah, I guess throughout the whole process, I was in shock that everything was going so smoothly and everything had been working out and we had heard a heartbeat. And that's, I guess, one of the first steps of the whole process. When you do hear a heartbeat, it's a good sign. And I had gotten through my first trimester. So I was basically through my first trimester and that's also a really good sign. And the next steps after that was to go in for genetic testing. My doctor really assured me, he said, Brittany, everything's going to be great. Everything's looking great on the sonogram. Everything seems fine. The baby's gaining weight well. You know, everything looks good. We could even see like photo. I mean, I remember you came home with photographs and it was like, it was a baby. I named him. I know. I decided it was a him. I just was sure. And I just, I don't, why did I come up with Leroy? I don't know. I don't know, Jim. (laughs) I have no idea, but there was a little Leroy to you. I have no idea. I'm not, that's, no. I don't remember why I named him that, but I did. And so you go in for the genetic testing and I was like, B, everything's going to be cool. Everything's fine. Go on in. This is awesome. And you were like, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, it's crazy how fast things really change because I was in there and right at this time also in New York and everywhere around us, everybody was freaking out. You were on a whole nother level. (laughs) You couldn't even believe that I had gone into work because I did go in for one last shoot that day. No one was out in New York City, but I was like, it's a paycheck. I got to do this. Mm -hmm. It was planned. And then I'll move up this appointment before we get out of town because, you know, the doctor will take me. Ryan was not allowed to come with me. So that was the first time I felt a little bit different because he had wanted to go to this appointment and he was not allowed in. And then I was in the room. We had the sonogram up. It's a big screen. Baby was literally, we didn't find out the sex. So it was on his or her back with its feet up in the air, like chilling. And it was, it was funny. She was like, I've never seen a baby do this before. This is so unusual. We were all laughing. It was really great. I went back out. She said, okay, so just go sit down. We still have to do some blood work and we'll call you back in just to discuss everything. Great. I sent a picture to my family. We were all laughing. And then I got called back in by the doctor. And I remember she said, Brittany, sit down. And I remember sitting down and she said, you know, there are some complications. We have found that there is excess fluid in the baby's neck. And this could mean an array of things. And, you know, immediately my heart just dropped because I was not expecting to hear those words. And I was just like, oh, can we just back up a second? Can can we get my husband on the phone so he can hear this and I don't forget things or I was starting to try to like write things down, but tears were just flooding into my eyes and I just couldn't really make sense of everything. It just felt like I had sort of blacked out, but I was listening and present, just not there. Yeah. You know? It's like your whole brain, everything just shuts down. Yeah. Ryan got on the phone. He listened. And basically the doctor explained to us that There is excess fluid in the baby's neck. This could mean a few things. One, the baby could possibly have Down syndrome. Two, it could be another chromosomal defect. Or three, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, 
what, like where, how do we know these things? You know, she said, okay, well, before you get crazy in your head, I'm like, how can you not get crazy yeah. in your head right now? I'm, I have so many different scenarios running through my mind that I had never even thought I would have to even think about with my husband, with my family, projecting this future. And she scheduled me in for an amnio. That's when it's like a needle is inserted into your uterus. And luckily, because I was a patient of Dr. Kaplan's, he's been my patient since I've been 22 years old. So he knows a lot about me in the city. (laughs) He's he's my man. Uh, They were able to get me in the next morning at 9 a.m. Again, everyone's freaking out in the city about Corona. Everything's shut down, completely shut down. And they said, your partner can come with you. And I'm like, okay, great. So that was just a really tough thing to hear. I drove back down to our apartment. I was expecting to get out of there that afternoon. And we were like, okay, well, now we're staying because we need to check on the baby and figure this out. And I remember you always, I I always see you when something goes wrong. Like you're the first person, obviously, like I come to you with everything. But I remember seeing you in the hallway and I was just like, there's something wrong. And you knew immediately because I had been crying and like Mm -hmm. my sunglasses, my makeup was all over my face. And yeah, you said, okay, well, let's, you know, it's nothing like, you know, let's not get crazy. Let's just go back in and just try to relax. And what I found out through this whole scenario is I am not great with not knowing. It's (laughs) the worst thing on the planet. The people that can just go on and not know what's going on or, or know what's happening. Like I give them so much credit. I, I am astounded by you, but I am not that person and I need to really know. And I would rather want to know too. I learned that as well. So just to cut to the next day, we did go in for the procedure. Is that painful? Bevan, I have a very high tolerance for pain. Yeah, I know that. This shit was no joke. They make you drink tons and tons of water and then they stick a a needle, which you don't really feel because it's numbing cream, but it's more the pressure. Like imagine someone's just like pushing down on your stomach and I'm like, ow, this actually really hurts. Whoa, ow, this really hurts. Like this really, this is crazy. And you see the baby at the same time on a sonogram right in front of your face. So I'm like, oh, this is just, it's terrible. So then we finish that procedure we're done. I'm still completely shaken up because that just also felt like a very outer body experience. I think if anyone knows while you're sitting there and all of those, you're just so many things are running through your mind of what this could possibly be. And the fact that it could also possibly be nothing and to go through all that pain and the stress just kills me. It's like, why are, why am I sitting there doing all of this? And so then we go home, come actually back to my family's place in Connecticut. I was very lucky and grateful to be around them at this time because it was just nice to have that support. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they tell you, you can't get the results for two to three days. So I'm like, this is just more torture. It's it's just pure torture. Yeah. Pure, pure torture. You were sending out so many emails because you were trying to keep yourself fully busy and... Yeah. Throughout this whole process, I think too, we talked about ways like... For me to distract myself from not thinking about it, it was really to fill my time with work and just trying to focus. We didn't really know what was going to happen with segment stuff, podcast stuff, what was going to occur and what we were going to be doing. So I just tried to continue to do what I only know how to do best, which is to put my mind into my work and not think about it. But then I would just, I would break down. It had to be really difficult too, because the world was at a standstill at the time and you were forced 
in some ways to just sit with these thoughts and let them flood you without any of the tactics that, you know, you could normally use. (laughs) Totally. Well, to be honest, and I know we've talked about this a bunch and a lot of people have mentioned it, but I know all of this stuff was going on outside and 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 it was terrible at you know people losing their jobs all these different things a lot of my friends being furloughed but I was in such a dark hole of a space that I just felt like I was honestly like in my own personal pandemic. Yeah. I couldn't even really see what was going on outside of me because my and even Ryan sometimes was like Brittany are you there like you're not even focused right now because I was just like stuck. It was it was really dark. But at the same time, I still remember you had this ability to like, look at me and go, look, my family's healthy. My husband has his job. I'm still working. Things are going like you were like, everything's okay. It's not that big of a deal. But it was literally it sucked the the life out of you. Yeah. Oh, I, I was, I was lifeless. I, well, so that just was that process of just knowing like, or I'm sorry, not knowing what could be. And then they called me back and said, well, we didn't get enough villi from your placenta. So we need to bring you back in and do another procedure. How many days was that after you had had the that first one? That was three days. <laughs> okay. Maybe it was, it was two and a half. It was, they called me on Saturday night. I also had a really incredible doctor team that who calls you on the weekends? You know, who calls you Saturday night at 7 p.m.? Yeah, that's. I had been waiting all day. Like my phone was attached to my head, basically, waiting for these results. She had called me also on Friday afternoon, but I couldn't get her because my the, the service in this house is really bad. It was, yeah. it was torture. No, that was awful because like you guys played phone tag for yes. an entire, yes. and you had to wait a whole nother night. Yeah, it was. I couldn't even. I called the doctor. I must have looked like a crazy person. I apologized to her so many times, but she's like, "No, I get it. I totally understand." Her phone actually on Saturday was off because of the Sabbath. So again, just all of these different things in the universe that were keeping us from knowing what was going on, and then it still wasn't even the final result because we still had to come back in on that Monday for another procedure until we could finally find out. So in that time, so this was now Saturday night, we found that out. They didn't have enough information. And then Monday morning, I went back in and Ryan could not be with me because now at this point, they said all partners, support partners couldn't come in with you. So that just sucked. I yeah. mean, imagine Will not even being able to come in with you for a big procedure. Like this was not a big procedure at that point. It's a smaller one, but just anything not being there with you. An unsettling procedure with your child. Right. This is, yeah. And we're a team together. Like we got in a big fight too going there. Oh, it was just a mess. I think there's so much stress and pressure on a relationship because again, these were things that you sign up for and being married, but you never know that you really have to talk about these things. And talk about the possibility that there could be something wrong with our baby and and what are we going to do together and what decision are we going to make? So going for the second procedure, that was Monday. And then cut to Tuesday. I will never forget. I'm just sitting there at the table again, trying to just work and not think about waiting and not think about my phone ringing and not staring at it anymore because I literally would stare at my phone to will it to ring. They called and I put it on speaker. We, We just immediately knew at that point, because her voice, the inflections in her voice were just not correct. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, Brittany, the baby has a very, very rare chromosomal disorder. Um, We're very, very surprised that, you know, you've made it to almost, you know, four months because normally 
these babies do not make it very far. And even if they are able to make it to term, they have a lifespan of a day, three days. What was the chromosomal disorder? Trisomy 18. So it was called Edwards syndrome. So about only 20,000 cases per year in the U.S. are diagnosed. Uh, Many are not diagnosed because many are miscarriages that women don't know about. So they were just really surprised. and, And immediately they said, you know, Brittany, we know that there was nothing that you or Ryan or any other force could do. It's completely out of your control. This was like a fluke. This is just a a chromosomal thing that happens and we don't know why this happens. There was nothing that you could have done from exercise, drinking, eating, sleeping, whatever it is to have this happen. It just happens. And you're okay. Like you're, you're, we believe that hopefully, you know, I had to go now to learn about what was the next steps with all of this, which was a tough pill to swallow, but hopefully you can still have children again and you are healthy. So it was probably one of the hardest phone calls I've ever gotten in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, ever. I can't imagine. It was really like, I just, yeah, I have a lot of tissues by me right now. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about this, but I always, you know, the tears come obviously, but before Bevan, I couldn't even really, I mean, I just was crying for like two weeks straight. Probably. Yeah. I feel like they just would not stop. Yeah. It's a good I just, thing. we were, it's tough. Yeah. Really, really tough. It's a good thing that the tears come though. I feel like, especially you, you have such an ability to plow through and push through and say, I'm still really lucky. I'm so lucky. And I just was I, in all honesty, as your one of your best friends, I was just grateful to see you processing and feeling yeah, it just is, was nuts to see something that we really had talked about having one day and where are we going to move and all the different steps we were taking. My body was also really changing. Yeah, you know? like very at that, rapidly at that point. Yes. Yeah. Like I had a belly. I had like my boobs were huge. It was like <laughs> a different body, which I was, didn't care about the boobs being huge. I was really happy about <laughs> yeah. that. But I was like, okay, I'm embracing all of these new things. And it was just like immediately within a phone call that was taken away and a tough, tough one to process. And we were both, you know, I've, I've always, and you've known this, I've always really wanted a baby. I've really loved children. I have a big family. I'm the oldest on both sides of my family. And I always was just thrust a kid everywhere, mm-hmm. every family party. I was always babysitting. I always had a baby in my arms and they would call me the baby whisperer because <laughs> I'd somehow always get everybody's babies to go to sleep. So I just was really looking forward to that. And when you get this that, call though, like what is the first thought that you start to have, you know, the doctor was so great that she handled the guilt stuff before you even had a chance to go there Yeah, and start going, what did I do? What did I do? She was like, no, it wasn't you guys. But at this moment, was it like, this is over? I'm not going to be able to have kids or like, what were, what was your thought? Well, first of all, I was just, I was happy to just 
know where we stood at that point because again, the torture of not knowing was just really getting too big for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like breaking down from it. Like I was literally, my skin was like breaking out (laughs) from all of the stress. Too much stress for anybody. Exactly. And it was just very stressful. So I was, I was glad that we knew. And for me, I guess I'm better to know now that we know that the baby is not going to make it to term, it's not going to be strong enough to make it to term was, you know, their diagnosis and said, you know, they gave their recommendation of needing to have a, a DNE, which is a, after a DNC, because, you know, you, I was past that in terms of weeks. I also just, it was tough to, to have like the baby still in me and like still getting bigger with it because I just, I felt like I needed to like have this out of me basically to, to grow. So my next steps, I didn't even like think that far ahead about being able to have kids. I, I, that, cause I'm, I'm still petrified about all of that, to be honest with you. But I just was like, was trying to get my ducks in a row in terms of a plan and what we were going to do next. Cause having a plan will help you process and heal and, and, and move past it. But here's where things get really complicated due to COVID and everything that was shut down in New York city. You then had to wait how long until you were able to go in for the DNA? So again, had a wonderful, wonderful team. We were trying to figure out if I could get into somewhere in Connecticut and not go into New York because New York was the cases were crazy at that point. Yeah. That didn't work out. And it was like I basically had probably two more weeks to sit with everything just to get it scheduled. And that was really the soonest they could get me. And I think too, they were doing everything in their way. Also, they had to completely make sure that they gave me the correct diagnosis as well. So they were waiting in the lab for all of these cultures to grow. So I'm like, this is, you guys have already told me this. Can we kind of move on? Like, yeah. Can we, yeah. And I, not because I, I was not trying to mourn. I was just, I was just stuck in this crazy cycle of if this is not going to work and the baby is not going to be okay. The last thing I wanted to do was harm a baby. That yeah. was my last, like, I just would not want to have that happen. So here I am growing with this baby inside of me. And I just kind of, I wanted to part with it. I wanted to start mourning in that way. And immediately I also, my, one of my best friends was so helpful. And she just said, you know, there's a woman who she's a relationship therapist, but she's also a doula. She connected us together and I was able to speak with her the night before I went in for the two day procedure. It was just, it was really helpful after telling everybody that this was happening because we really only told our closest family and and friends, which Now that I look back on it, I'm like, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have told everybody because it just sucks having to now tell everybody what's going on and tell everybody that we're no longer having this baby. And that just is not fun at all. And the amount of texts and everything, I turned my phone off, but it was just really helpful to also seek out therapy. And I'm I'm a big believer in therapy. I'm a big believer in speaking through a lot of these things. And I basically had a conversation with her before the procedure. And it it helped me in so many different ways, so much so that like I'm still speaking to this woman today. I did like a basically uh, now it's been over three months, but you know, it's just been so helpful to have that therapy aspect as well, because it, this is just was way bigger than me. Like I'm, and I'm not someone who's really great with death. Like I've, I've really only, you know, I've only lost my grandmother. So this was just like, I don't know. It's a really, really tough one for me in I, terms of losing something. 
I just remember the two week period when you found out and then when you were able to actually go in, your body was still changing with the baby. And I've never seen you in so much emotional pain. And knowing you, it was it was really tough that I couldn't do anything to help you. You know, like there's nothing I, I know, could we do to fix together. it. Like I couldn't make it better. And you're one of the strongest people I've ever known. And you handled that with such grace. And you went, you know, head first, you went to talk to somebody. And then I'm hearing, though, that this is pretty common for a lot of women when they have to, when you have a miscarriage and you have to have a DNC. Yep. There's a period of time where you're just like sitting with a child, either alive or dead in your body. Right. Unless you've gone through it, unless you know that feeling where you're you're told, okay, you're no longer going to have this child anymore. There's just really, you, you can't understand it and describe it because you just feel like I'm parting with some something that I've been growing inside of me. And I've been speaking to this person. I've been I've been trying to give affirmations to this this person, and I, it's it's no longer happening. So it's just a it's a very weird feeling that I really am having trouble, obviously, coming to words about it. It's it's scary too. Like you don't know what's going to happen with these procedures, and you know we were going into the hospital. Ryan also couldn't come in with me, and it was just I didn't know really what was going to go on. I had never undergone any of these types of procedures before, and the first day with the DNE is they put these seaweed things up inside you that cause you to go into labor. It was extremely painful. It was really, really painful. It sucked, and I was like, the fact that you're going through this and being put into your body is being put into labor right now, and there's nothing to come out on the other side, like. That's the worst of it. That really is the worst of it. And it's a two-day procedure. So you go in for that initially, and then they put you basically into labor. And then day two, you go in. And once again, you're doing this all alone. And there's other women in the waiting room. And you said it felt like Handmaid's Tale. It was literally, I felt like we were in the Handmaid's Tale and everyone was being led to their individual beds and like seeing each other from the side, but in masks. So you couldn't smile at the person. You couldn't really... I like was doing head nods and stuff like you wanted to kind of find solace in one another, but there was nothing. It was just so blank. And one of the the nurses came over and she said, I'm not doing this mask stuff. I'm, I'm a person to person. I'm, I'm touch and feel like, you know, I know what you're going through. Like I get this, you know, and she was like pressing on my stomach after the procedure. It was like pretty crazy and graphic and gross, but at least she she got it and she understood that like you need personal touch right now. One of the things that the therapist had really suggested in, in a way for Ryan and I to be connected at that time was for him, obviously we had our phones, but for after I came out from going under and before for him to write me a note about each of the processes, like, you know, and just about his feelings and anything that came to mind for him, it's just a small little note. But that was, that was really helpful because you do feel alone in these things. And it was nice to come out and just be able to read those and get that from him. Feel like you had him in some way with you, his support. Yeah. And then just envisioning also like when I went in there, I remember saying like, for some reason also, I got very emotional again. And I just was like, thinking about, okay, I never asked actually where the baby goes. For some reason that just popped into my head. And yeah, they said, you know, we, we have a policy. We, um, we make sure that everything is in one place and, and we do cremate the baby and it's, it's, it's handled, you know, extreme care. So 
at least hearing that, like that made me feel a little bit better. And I was also at that point really excited to be put to sleep because I was in pain from these like receptors that were shocking me basically. So I was like, you know what? Just please put me out at this point. I'm just done. I just want to. Do you have to go under for that? You yeah. do. So everybody yeah. goes under for that. You go completely yeah, under. Yeah, it's like a light. Yeah, it's like you're in like a light sleep, they call it, but it's essentially you're being put under and you have um like a light dose of anesthesia. For me, I've never been great with anesthesia. So I'm like, yeah. I was like out, you know, they were like, wow, okay. That went really quick, <laughs> took to that really quickly. I'm like, yeah, these veins are really powerful. Um, I just... Didn't you carry something with you too? I, well, I, I carried Ryan's notes. Um, and I always carry something from my gram. I always have like a piece of her, whether it's her jewelry. Uh, I always just have something from her because I just really do believe that she's with me at a lot of these places and a lot of these times. So yeah, that was, it was just, it was a lot. I think we were like talking you and I about announcing it or doing some type of like fun, whatever. How did you like, I know how I was because I wasn't really like with myself at all. But like what was going on in in your head at that point? I was a mess. Yeah. I was a mess. Oh, God. Why am I crying? (laughs) (laughs) Because we cry on all of these. I just think that like, I don't know. This is, it sounds, you know, really selfish, but I'm like, you're so good. Like this shouldn't happen to you. You know, like I just didn't want to see you in pain. And I knew how much you wanted this, how much you and Ryan both did. And I just was like, always in my mind, I was like, Brittany's going to get pregnant right away. I knew it. And Brittany's going to have an easy pregnancy. And we're going to have a little nugget that we're going to have to figure out how to quiet when we record. And we'll go from there. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just like, knowing that I just couldn't just sit with you, like that was, that was hard. Because like, I think in these situations, we want to try to find the right thing to say. And there's never a right thing to say. There's, you know, words, they don't do justice in this moment. And I just wanted to be with you and I couldn't. So the only thing I could do was feed you. So Yes. <laughs> I sent food, you know, like I didn't know. That was the best thing though. That was the best thing. When the night before the actual procedure, we had a knock on the door and Bevan and Will had sent over Carbone, which was <laughs> absolutely amazing like one of the most incredible italian places in the city and everyone was doing takeout at this point yeah only positive thing about covid was that that carbone delivered carbone (laughs) delivered to you and you could actually get the food so i was like and i love to eat so that was really just an incredible thing and and you couldn't even open your door to say like no Bevan's husband Will was like look at her across the window just look at her across the window do not open the door and do not we're just gonna put this outside your door I'm like okay thank you (laughs) like waving at your peephole waving at the window but that was it was so helpful and I honestly the outpouring of support you know, from you guys and from our friends and our family. It was just, it was really, really overwhelming. Like everybody was just so, I I know how incredible our friends are, but just throughout this process, you really see who your true friends are. And, you know, at the same time, one of my best friends was also pregnant and her due date was a week away. It is a week away. And we were very excited to kind of go through that together. So I know she felt a ton of guilt and just didn't feel like, 
this is her third baby. And she was like, why, you know, why can I have three, you know, healthy babies and this is happening. And like you said before, you just didn't think that this would happen, but that's why I also wanted to do this and and to also talk about it. I think a lot of times we stifle some of the hardest things that take place. And I originally, my mom and I got in a huge fight about talking about this publicly, about putting it out there because she felt that a lot of people would judge me because people don't know the exact cases. And there are people that do have babies you know, with Edward syndrome that unfortunately do pass away very quickly. And I think there's one baby who made it to, I think, 20 something years old. I don't know, one in the world. In the world. Um, regardless, it, it doesn't matter because that wouldn't have happened for us and it couldn't have happened for us. But I think my mom was just really scared about different judgments. It's an older, it's that generation mentality too, right? They didn't talk about this stuff and it took, you know, until very recently, I think for people to start opening up about it. Right. It's just a different, different mentality. And what I was told, you know, also just that every single person has their story. And right now this is a part of our story and it's, it's extremely traumatic and sad, but I truly believe like I I am a mother and Ryan is a father so we are those people we 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 had a baby so we are those we are parents so when mother's day and father day father's day came around sorry I celebrated those things but I also really gained a lot of perspective of all of those people that when I was complaining about gaining weight, when I was complaining about maybe not feeling my best or not feeling my 100%, I felt a lot of perspective of a lot of those people that cannot and are not as fortunate to have babies or have had many miscarriages or have gone through exactly what we went through. So it really gives you a lot of perspective. Changes your makeup, you know? Yeah. Changes who you are. I'm going to breathe for a second. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Just, just not. <laughs> it really changes your perspective when something like this happens to you and, and it becomes a part of your story, but you also uh, have different women that have been through similar things that, you know, you can relate to. And, and you know, probably actually it was maybe it was two months, but I, I saw someone on Facebook had posted that she had lost two twins. And, you know, my mind just like immediately went to her and I reached out to her and said, I know, you know, we don't always talk, but I just wanted to reach out to you and and let you know that a very similar thing happened to me as well. And she said, oh my God, thank you so much for reaching out. I really feel like I have absolutely no one. I feel like no one understands where I'm at right now. Very, you know, very, very tough, very tough. And I, and she's like, I have no idea what I'm about to go into with these procedures. Does this hurt? Does it not? So I was able to help her and say, you know, heating pad is going to be your savior, you know, <laughs> go in with that heating pad, definitely take Tylenol, like before you get those receptors put into your body, take two doses if you can make sure you take the pills that they also prescribe to you. Just, just being able to help each other and, and to lend a voice to that. And that's really the primary reason that I, I did want to talk about this publicly because this is the reason I, we do the podcast is because right. we believe that sharing your story is only going to help other people to feel a little bit less alone and, and right 
This is a, and even friends going through the same thing with another friend, you know, Mm -hmm. there were some, you know, posts people made or talked about. And I, I, I told you, I was like, you know, Bevan, this really bothered me that someone posted about pregnancy and it's okay because they also don't know because they don't know the other side of things too. They've never been, they've never lost a baby. They've never experienced that pain. So yeah, you want everyone to have a really nice, easy, easy is a tough word, but a beautiful pregnancy and not have to go through any issues. And and if that happens multiple times for many people, that is so great because I would never wish that upon anyone to have anyone's mind go through a lot of those games. Really, I said never that would. a lot. But you just, again, gain perspective. And I was just like, if we are lucky to ever get pregnant again and ever if I was ever to get pregnant again and we were lucky to have a baby, I'm just going to be very cognizant of those things. And you know, but it's only gotten me to this point also where I feel optimistic and I feel like I'm still petrified beyond belief. I'm very nervous and I totally would not tell anybody, but at least, yeah. That's what I was going to say. One thing is when you were going through that, did you feel really alone, even though you had such an outpouring of support because people haven't been through it? Yeah. I think there were just days where my family no one wants anyone to feel badly and no one wants anyone to feel down. But if there were days that I was just feeling a little bit badly or, you know, prime example, my brother and his wife had their baby that we were very excited about this because they were going to be cousins. And she is just absolutely the most beautiful, gorgeous, incredible baby. Like we could not be more lucky, but going down to Michigan to see the baby, you know, really triggered some things with me. And it was just, I was so, so happy. And like, I told you, as soon as that I saw that first picture of that baby, I was like, Bevan, I feel so like, I'm just going with pride. I'm so excited to meet this little baby. But going down there and holding the baby and, and thinking about, wow, they would have been, I think, four months apart, something like that. Oh, yeah. Just trigger things in my head of just trying to be really, really happy and positive on the outside. But I got in the car and I got back to our hotel room and I just broke down. And I just said, Ryan, that was really difficult for me to kind of keep a straight face there because I don't know. I just kept imagining like that could have been our baby and that could have been us. And it was just hard. It was really hard. So where are you now? Right now, I've been doing therapy for almost, I think it's been two and a half months. I as hard as it is, because it's not easy and it leaves me literally just exhausted, like tank empty, which is very hard for me. But my tank actually is like done, depleted after an hour and 15 minute session. I'm feeling so much stronger and my mind is stronger. And I'm also, my body is stronger too. I think getting a chance to start walking on the treadmill again and just then eventually getting back into workouts again, like that really helped with my endorphins and my hormone levels because they just, they said, you know, you're just so off. Like your body is just trying to come back. My skin, I I look like I was legit a teenager, like really at like the brink of puberty. It was really crazy for me, which was just hard to take in. Maybe one of the only benefits of quarantine, being able to hide out with like, (laughs) just my face was crazy. And you see your body bouncing back. So to see that and to watch those physical changes is very 
it's interesting because I, I had a belly. I was like, it was, there was a belly there. Like I was just getting larger. And, and so to watch my body progress has been is interesting to see. And I, I just definitely feel stronger and doing things like talking like this has also helped. And really that's the therapy, but talking with friends about it and being able to see pictures of babies now and women with babies. Like I was just, even before, it was just really hard to see those images and seeing yeah. some of my pregnant girlfriends put pictures up. But I was so happy for them too. Of course it's you were, like, be. It's just, it's painful for you. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. And again, want to state why we wanted to do this is because, you know, for those out there that are, that feel so alone, that maybe don't have that best friend or family member or, anyone there for them to speak to about this or everybody seems to move on with their life and you just feel very stuck in that same position. Like, please reach out to us. Please contact us because I totally get it. And I totally get how stuck you can feel and how dark you can feel. And even if we're not friends in life, like we can be friends digitally or whatever it is. And I have no no issues with that because this is part of your story too. And everyone has their own specific story. And what I found that whatever it is, it's it's something to speak about. And there's a reason it happened. We don't know why it happened, but hopefully in a positive way to hopefully help others. And with that, I'm, I'm also helping myself. So. You always find a way to do that, to share and to give through whatever it is you go through. And I just am so proud to call you a sister. Thank you, B. You are my sister and you've been there for every single step of the way. And that's why we're lucky, you know, to have each other, to be able to talk about these things too. And you know, if you ever want to have kids, you no, know who's the I'm first good, person. <laughs> I'm good. I'm that first person. Um, I'm trying to force her so we could have kids together. That would be amazing. I'm going to be an awesome aunt to your beautiful baby that will be here. That will be here. Yeah. One last also, thing before we wrap yeah. it up too. I wanted to say, wanted to ask you what your piece of advice you would give someone who's currently going through something that, like that right now. I would definitely suggest getting it out there to all of your friends and family as hard as that is because you want to hide and you don't want to tell anybody and you want to just keep it within yourself. But Letting everybody know definitely does take a weight off and then maybe, you know, turn your phone off for a time. I think I turned my phone off for the entire, for like five days. It was on do not disturb, but it was off for Which most you've of the time. Never done. Never. But I had to take that mental and emotional break and eventually come back to all these messages. I think it took me almost like a few months to, to respond to some of the messages because through Ryan's friends, people's friends, it was just, it really felt like a lot. And my second piece of advice is to seek out some form of therapy because grief is a very real thing and it could be enacted in so many different ways. And if that person doesn't click with you and you don't get along with them, don't give up in trying to find that next person because there are free resources. There are, you know, I, I took a little bit of an investment of my personal money to be able to pay for this, but I said, you know, this is really important for me and I need to do this for myself. I really suggest seeking out someone that has dealt with this before on a grander scheme of things and has those tools to speak to about it. How you heal? I'm still healing. I'm still healing and it's going to take a while to heal, but there's different tactics that she's helped me to do to work towards that and and speak to it and the hard tactics too of just like really speaking about it and talking through all those things. So not locking it up. Right. 
letting it be a part of your story and letting it be a part of who you are. You know, when we talk about healing, it's interesting to me. I think so often we think that one day we wake up and the pain goes away. I think in all honesty, healing is accepting your new normal, which is that pain and that experience is just going to be a part of you forever. And that's not something to be ashamed of. Right. Right. Does it make you any less loving or caring or charismatic or any of those things? It's just part of who you are. It's definitely a part of us and it's strengthened our relationship. It's made us talk about a lot of hard things and to have a support system too and a partner has been really incredible as well. And I I feel at this point, I... I'm very nervous about the future. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm not going to say that I'm not nervous, but I'm also really optimistic. And after getting a checkup after the procedure that everything healed nicely and that we can hopefully start trying soon as well. So that's an exciting thing to hopefully look forward to. And I I made a oath to myself that I am not going to be crazy and obsessive about trying. I'm going to try to, which is fairly hard for me because I'm like... You're in control. Yeah, I'm I'm a control person. So I have tried to say that, you know, let's celebrate the known right now and celebrate what we do have. And we have our health, we have each other. And this pandemic also didn't force us to break apart as well. So let's look at those things and let's know that we both want these things in the future and we will do whatever it takes to have our family one day. And you will. Thank you for being so brave and sharing. I think you're really going to help a lot of people. That's our goal, right? So, of course. I love you and I'm glad I'm glad we did this. Me too. I'm so proud of you. Keep I being. love you. Love you too.